right. Move this over a little bit. Are you going to Yeah, that's fine. So we are continuing in First Peter, First Peter chapter two. This is an appropriate uh, passage for the age that we find ourselves in, and some misunderstandings on the part of many believers about what the Bible teaches when it comes to submission to earthly rulers and authorities. 1 Peter chapter 2, please open your Bibles there. We're going to begin in verse 12 and to the end of the chapter. 1 Peter chapter 2. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. I have a legal background that informs the way I view things. Uh, sometimes I wonder if I'm being pedantic or if I'm focused on the wrong things because I'm a lawyer. Uh, there is uh, a shooting that recently happened. Uh, it, is, it happened back in February, COVID, and a whole bunch of things, including a bunch of different prosecutors recusing themselves has only recently resulted in the arrest of two people for this killing that has been called murder everywhere on social media. Well, guys, I'm a lawyer. I'm going to tell you that the killing in South Georgia is not a murder under the legal definition of murder. And if it is proceeding with it as a murder, the people who killed a man I believe unjustly and I believe criminally, they will be acquitted because it's not murder. It is a manslaughter case, an assault case. It matters. It should matter to us. But being careful with our words, actually participating in this 
democracy, the uh, Arbery case was not on my radar at all as I prepared for the sermon. I hadn't seen a video. A video hadn't been released. There was nothing out about it. I thought that the focus of governmental authorities was going to be entirely on COVID and our response in COVID. And also knowing that many people I talk to do not understand Romans 13, which we're going to look at, do not understand what Jesus says about rendering to Caesar, and somehow, in their very bizarre view of Christianity, the Old Testament, believe that Shadrach, uh, Shadrach Meshach, and Abednego are, are villains, that Daniel deserves to be thrown into lion's den. They have this bizarre interpretation of submission to God's I mean, to, to man's law, that means that man's law is absolute and submission is absolute. It's deeply wrong. But, continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Well, so that just means that we just keep our heads down, we're meek, we have no protest. Certainly we would never want to protest. We just go with whatever the government says at all times. That's the way Christians should be, right? Wrong. That's not the way the Christians should act in a representative democracy. It's not our called involvement as believers. It's not the way that we're supposed to interact, particularly when our political leaders respond to our voices in the way we were set up by Christians. America is a nation of laws. We're supposed to be operating under the rule of law protesting against tyrannical humans who in error are violating the law, even if they're elected, is not wrong. Now, what does it mean to honor the emperor? Guys, I would say that many, many, many of my Republican friends got it wrong in terms of praying for Barack Obama, treating Barack Obama with a level of respect because of his office caring for him, hoping that the Lord will guide and direct him, and wanting the best for him. I would also say that many, many, many of my Democrat friends got it wrong with President Trump in the exact same way. Interestingly, maybe not if you understand tribalism and hypocrisy, you will hear people from one side saying, how dare you dishonor the president? That's an important office. Everyone needs to be kind. And literally, if the party switches, they're the ones who are sharing the horrible jokes, the memes, the name-calling. They're the ones who are no longer praying for the person. Guys, if you're a Republican or a Democrat, here's a fact for you. Barack Obama and Donald Trump were not as evil, are not as evil, either of them, in terms of what they did or are doing as the emperor of Rome in the time that this document is being written to Christians. Neither of them have asked to be worshipped as a god. Neither of them are killing people who refuse to worship them as gods. There is not a valid comparison between them. The dictator who runs North Korea, who we think, I guess, is still alive. I don't know. He's on his train for a while. It's hard to track him down. He might be a very valid comparison. Uh, the evil dictator, wicked, evil, horrible man 
who is running China right now. It's probably a pretty valid comparison between him. And I can't fully put myself in the shoes of people in China, but it's unbelievably painful to try to when they're being rounded up right now, they're using the, the have you guys have not heard of this, the Great Wall of China's internet wall. They have a firewall. They use internet in a way that no one does in the United States. The NSA spies on us in ways that make me really uncomfortable and I don't think are right under our constitution. But it's nothing like China. In China, Christian pastors right now, due to COVID, are under more intense pressure than normal because the government is tracking everything that anyone says on the internet, and when they arrest pastors, they're going through their phone and arresting their contacts. They're breaking up the underground church. They're beating and killing people who criticize the government. It's a wicked, evil, awful time there. And to understand what it means to honor the premier in that country is to get closer than we can get here in America to understanding what first Peter 2 is talking about now we've already talked last week about the fact that if we do everything right if we do everything right the way we love the way we share the way we're kind the way we're gentle the way we're, we're peacemakers we will be reviled we will be hated we will face opposition if we do everything right Jesus promised that in first Peter 2 it says that as well, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, not if, when, the darkness hates the light, you will be spoken against as evildoers. They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him, as sent by him, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. God's law is supreme, not man's law. Well, America's pretty good. I agree. America's pretty good. America was written by, uh, our laws were written by people who honored God, who feared God, who understood sin, who said the consolidation of power in one person is dangerous. And therefore, we need to separate powers. We have a very strong system of government in the United States. And as the state punishes those who do evil and praises those who do good, praise God. And that sometimes happens. But sometimes other things happen as well. This is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. We're going to look at an episode in the Bible, in Acts chapter 5. Who wrote 1 Peter? Guys, we've gotten, we've gotten a little away from our responses. It's okay, we're outside, there's some sun, it's nice, there's some good bird chirping. Who wrote 1 Peter? Peter wrote 1 Peter. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, and when they had brought them, verse 27, they set them before the council. 
And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, by the way, I just have to take this moment to say, verse 34, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. Guys, on the right and the left, for at least the time period since the Trayvon Martin shooting, that I've noticed it. The wise people are circumspect. Stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. I have watched friends on the right share hot takes that weren't true. I have watched friends on the left share hot takes that were not true. The best time to write about something, megachurch pastor on Twitter, is not two hours after you first think about it for the first time and you know this much about it. And then you write something that if you are actually a man of integrity, you should apologize for when it turns out what you said isn't true. That's a fact. Are most of those guys going to retract things that they wrote about Ferguson that were lies? No, because it's been years later and they didn't. But they should. Especially those who are in positions of authority as teachers and elders. They should not ever spread falsehoods. It's very important that they guard against that. He stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while, and he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Wait, what? I'm, sorry, I, I, I'm reading the narrative. I'm, okay, right, Camilio, yep, yep, yep. You don't want to be opposing God. Essentially, they were talked out of an extrajudicial punishment that would have been evil, that was persecution and murder, like the Apostle Paul approved of as they kill Stephen, Right? They're talked out in this case, in this instance, of extrajudicial murder. So Peter can just go on his way, right? No, this is what it says. <laughs> they took his advice. When they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you how 
low of a level of discomfort we have and we accept in America, okay? If Knox County Health Department tells me, Clayton, we've decided outside or inside, it doesn't matter. You can't ever have church. We're going to let everybody go to Walmart. We're going to let everybody go to Home Depot. Our liquor stores could be packed, and we're not even going to require masks. But church is off limits. Guys, I'm, I'm going to disobey them. Okay? I'm going to. That is not them following the rule of law under the American legal system. They're wrong legally, and they will lose, thanks to the First Amendment, thanks, Founding Fathers. But also, under God's law, I don't care what they say. They can't prohibit me from having church. I'm not going to do it. Clayton, you're saying that we should never do anything differently. Uh, we can do whatever we want, no matter what. We don't need wisdom and prudence in time of pandemic. Well, guys, we're sitting outside right now, and we had church on Zoom for uh, over a month. So, yeah, I am saying during a pandemic, it's wise to think about the spread of a virus, and it's wise to listen to health authorities, and it's wise to care about what they're saying. But here's my point about our discomfort as churches. There's Satan's a judo expert. On one side, you could be way off the rails by saying, guys, I'm going to greet everybody with the holy kiss, and if you're not for that, you don't trust Jesus. Let's go, guys. I'm going to go find as many COVID patients as I can. I'm going to hug them all and kiss them, and then I'm going to kiss every old person I can find in the nursing home. That's the way the Lord taught me. That's, that's, that's ridiculous and wrong. And there's nothing that biblically supports that. But on the other extreme, you know, we're just waiting for guidance. We're just waiting for guidance from the state to tell us when we can go back to church. That's the state doesn't want to get sued over anybody dying. Their guidance is going to allow the least things that they can for as long as they can. But as Christians, we have a higher authority. We have a higher rule that we can follow. But let me tell you this. This is America. If the health department said, Clayton, we were going to kill you because you had church, but we've decided that we're just going to beat you and tell you not to have church again, I'm going to tell you that my heart would immediately go to revolution. Okay? My heart would go to Patrick Henry. It would go to William Wallace. It would go to armed insurrection against the evil tyrants who are breaking our law and beating me. That's where I go pretty much immediately, okay? Why is that relevant? Guys, in the lifetime of many of the people who currently are writing with some wisdom, I think, about the horrors that they're experiencing because of the Jim Crow past, seeing that a black man was killed and that nothing happened to the people who shot him, they were beaten by police officers for protesting nonviolently in the 1960s. Ugh. Very, very few of those people took the path of trying to kill the bad guys. Were the guys who were beating them bad guys? Oh yeah, absolutely unequivocally bad guys. What did Peter do here? Then Peter left, got Barabbas, and went and started cutting up all of the people while Gamaliel wept. Now, that's how it says. They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ 
is Jesus. They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. Guys, that's radical. I think that's so radical in the context of American discomfort. We started a revolution, which, by the way, and we're not, we don't have anywhere close to enough time for me to explain why I believe the Revolutionary War was a just war and it's okay to overthrow tyrants as long as you're subscribing to a new government and not doing it totally outside government. And do I think that the founding fathers were in rebellion against God because they overthrew the king? No, I do not. They formed a new government. I also don't think Dietrich Bonhoeffer was evil for trying to blow up Hitler. I don't. We can talk about it later if you have a lot of questions about it. But I will tell you that this kind of biblical patience, long-suffering, rejoicing in persecution is familiar to people who lived in the Soviet Union and is familiar to Chinese Christians now, and it's familiar to brothers and sisters in the Muslim world whose families disown them and threaten to kill them and disinherit them when they become Christians. It's not familiar to any of us in America. We are far from it. What will the church, in the ways it's persecuted in America, be persecuted with first? It's not a very challenging thing to think through. And I don't have to be a futurist or a prophet to tell you. The answer is your wallet, your money. Our God is often mammon within false churches in America. And guys, you know how long it'll take for people to say, we've got to obey this, as long as it takes someone to levy a fine. Well, we're going to fight it. Maybe. How much do the lawyers cost? Are we going to prevail? Will they have to pay us back? Christians are ready to roll over almost immediately if something's going to cost them financially. First Peter is telling us to honor the emperor in a time when the emperor's about to start killing a bunch of Christians. Peter knows that he is going to suffer and die for Jesus. And in Acts 5, when he's brought in and beaten, his response isn't to go pick up a sword the callback anybody okay that's not his response his response is they left the presence of the council rejoicing they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name and they're told what they're beaten and told don't teach anymore about jesus so they rejoice that they suffered the beating and then they immediately go and teach they did not cease teaching and preaching that the christ is jesus Romans 13, 1 through 7, Paul writes, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. 
pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Jesus in Mark chapter 12 also render unto Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God. God's law reigns supreme over all of man's law. If anyone tells you, commands you to violate God's law, you ignore that command. But if someone asks you to do something that's uncomfortable, if someone asks you to do something you don't like, even if you are persecuted for your faith, as you obey, we're supposed to still honor the emperor. Ah, I think that tension hits me really hard. I'd like one or the other. Okay, obey God's law. I've got that. Yeah, no one's going to stop it. Yeah, we'll go. Okay, honor the emperor. Well, can we ever call names? Yeah, the New Testament has examples of calling actually political leaders names, and it wasn't wrong or evil to do so. Calling a liar a liar is not wrong. But honoring someone, praying for someone, seeking the good for those who God has put in these temporal positions of authority is important. Is it always from without? Are we supposed to just focus on the kingdom of God? No, oftentimes it is within. The Apostle Paul was very well trained in what was essentially legal training. And when the Apostle Paul was being unjustly treated within the legal system, what did he do? He demanded his rights under the rule of law. You guys remember what I'm talking about? I demand as a Roman citizen that I be taken to Rome for my trial. Now, what did God do with that? A lot. Guys, a lot. A lot of things were written during that time. A lot of things were written while he was in chains. Did he win his, his argument? Did he win his court case? No. The Apostle Paul suffered greatly. But guys, he also didn't get killed before he went to Rome. He didn't get killed immediately back there by a ruler who didn't have the authority to. The Apostle Paul used his Roman citizenship for what it was worth, which was a lot in that time period. He demanded his rights under the law, and it had a huge positive impact for the kingdom of God. What does that look like for us as Christians in the United States, in Knoxville, Tennessee in 2020? Well, guys, we have the right under the Constitution to peaceably assemble. We also have freedom of religion. We also have freedom of press. We also have a Second Amendment that tells us we're allowed to have firearms. And I'm not going to recite the entire Constitution today, but I am going to tell you that under the rule of law, as Christian citizens of the republic that we belong to, we have a lot of rights. We have a lot of appeals that we can make under the rule of law to those who are supposed to be enforcing the law and when someone is not enforcing the law, as Christians, we can get involved in seeking to change it. This is what I would t tell you. I hope if I had lived in 1964, I would have been willing to march and say this is evil and wrong what's happening here. But guys, I'm telling you, I know my flesh enough to know that absent something miraculous, absent something supernatural, that I think I may have been bold enough to march, but if I was beaten, 
I'd be ready to fight. And that, the physical battle against rulers and powers and principalities, in that context, wasn't what we're called to. Our church is supposed to be meeting now, yes, I think. Well, is that everywhere? No. Was that with no consideration of distancing? No, it's not. Be wise, be careful. Also, extend grace and mercy because it's hard to figure out. We've never done this before. Our church has an important ministry to seniors in nursing homes, and we can't visit them right now. And I don't want us to bang down the doors and say, we are here and we won't leave until we... Okay? There's a lot of approaches. They're okay. Lots of people will find different conclusions here, and we should have grace for all of them about how and why we move forward in the ways we do to assemble and worship God. But I will say that from the passages we've read, what we're called to do is much, much harder, requires wisdom, requires thoughtfulness, than saying, remove yourself entirely from government. It's another approach that people have taken for many years. I will not serve in the military. It is wrong for Christians to be in elected office. It is wrong for Christians to be involved in our government. It is wrong for Christians to be involved in lawsuits. It's also wrong for Christians to be involved in social security. Okay? There have been people who have taken that position. There have been people who have taken that position and under the First Amendment. They've argued successfully that they can be excluded from those things. Because when you see in the early church... Roman figures who are serving in the Roman government become Christians. Do they all immediately leave their job? No, they don't. So no Christians uh, are allowed to be in government. Well, that seems a pretty ridiculous argument to me, given that in the early church, the earliest of churches, there were a bunch of people who were involved in government and became Christians, and they didn't leave immediately their post and go, well, I'm a Christian now, I can't serve in government. God has used godly men and women in government throughout the Old Testament and the New up into the present day. Christians are called to thoughtfully engage. But guys, I will say this too. Honoring the emperor, if you are a person who is calling names and being rude and obnoxious and taking pot shots at Christians who are serving in government, which is a really hard job to do. We have a really strange, I think, it seems strange to me, circumstance in Tennessee in that our current governor is a dear Christian man who I know named Bill, and our previous governor is a dear Christian man who I know named Bill. And both of these men didn't get money at all. In fact, it was way the other way for being the governor of our state. Oh, I can't believe you're the governor trying to make money off of us and being a politician enriching yourself. No, uh, the opposite. They both have less money because they decide to serve the public by being governor. Well, they're just trying to boss us around and tell us what to do with our lives all the time. Uh, no, neither of them are like that. Well, they're super prideful, obnoxious men who just worship their own egos. 
they're both extremely humble, which given their backgrounds, their intellect, their abilities, is pretty remarkable. Well, so we can never be against anything they do, because you're just saying they're Christians, we have to shut up and be quiet. No, that's not what I'm saying. We can disagree with some of the positions they take, but goodness, they are our brothers in Christ. We should love, honor, and respect them. We should be praying for them. We should express our disagreement in a charitable way all the time. And, and there is a difference between a reprobate, wicked person doing wicked things and a brother or sister in Christ doing something that you think could be done differently or should be done differently. And the way you respond absolutely should recognize that fact. Christians should honor and submit to the authorities that God has been placed over them. God is a God of order and desires that we live at peace with one another. But within the body, we are allowed to participate. In this case, in America, we're allowed to participate in our democracy. We're allowed to participate in a way that says we're disagreeing. And all of these verses, up to 17, honor everyone, 1 Peter 2, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Christians were still persecuted. I want everybody to know that. This is coming to Christians who are about to be persecuted. And these Christians were not people who were leading an armed uprising against the Roman government. Did they know that Caesar wasn't God? Yes. Were they people who refused to obey the law of the land when it contradicted the law of God? They were. But did that make them bad Roman citizens? No, they were the best Roman citizens. And Romans, who didn't love Jesus at all, started to notice precisely this. And part of it came about during plagues. During plagues, they didn't have a welfare state in Rome. Who took care of the poor? Who laid down their lives to help the poor? It was Christians. Who exposed themselves to the ravages of disease to help those who were sick? The Christians. Christianity is a call to be the best citizens under every form of government that exists. Verse 18 is way more painful and challenging for us in our cultural context. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? We already talked about that. If you're suffering because of your sin... It's not the same thing as persecution. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Well, who wrote about that and experienced it? Peter? Anybody else? Yeah. The apostles. Paul? Yeah. The early church. They suffered for Christ and they endured. They suffered for Christ and they didn't become full of hatred for the person persecuting them. An incredible story about a personal physician who was a Christian to Idi Amin. An evil 
maniacal mass murderer had a personal physician who was a believer. And he was suffering because as a personal physician, he was in danger of being killed at any time, personally. And he was asked, why do you not kill Idi Amin? And he said, oh, he is not ready to meet the Lord. He was praying that Idi Amin got saved. Guys, a Christian response if the health department rounded me up and beat me would be for me to witness to them. It would also be for me to maybe acapella sing if they got me in zip ties or whatever. I don't know. Maybe I'd ask for a mask before I sang so they wouldn't be us. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's maybe a mean joke. Uh, here's the point. We are supposed to be a people who love, honor, and respect those in authority. And when we suffer for the name of Christ, it's not to turn our hearts toward hatred. It's not to turn our hearts toward wickedness or evil. We're still supposed to love. And who's our perfect example for that? For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. America's justice system gets some things wrong. It is a much, much, much better justice system than most of what exists today in the world and most of what has existed throughout human history. It is a much better system and we are much closer to justice in America today. We're closer to justice in America today than we were in America in 1950. Okay? But our system still gets some things wrong. God doesn't get anything wrong. Jesus did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and to live in righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. What could possibly allow us to suffer without hating the person who's hurting us? What could possibly change our hearts so that we pray and love and reach out to the one who is hurting us? The gospel. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were his enemies. We deserved hell. He loved us. He died for us. He took our sin upon himself. Because of us, he suffered unjustly. When we suffer unjustly because of him, let's do it in the way that he did. Let's pray. Lord, it is humbling to think about people who are suffering around the world in ways that we can't even imagine in America. It's humbling to think about people in America who are suffering in ways that we can't relate to, in ways that we are not. But we entrust ourselves, we entrust them to you, the one righteous judge. We pray that we will extend grace 
and mercy to those who wrong us. We pray we will not cower from insisting under the rule of law that we follow the documents that are to govern us, that we embrace the worth of every person, that we insist on justice that is as complete as we can get it here on this side of eternity, that we speak up for the powerless, that we speak up for babies who are being slaughtered, that we speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves. Lord, we pray for injustice to end in the United States. We pray for those who are being persecuted for your name around the world. We pray that you will be glorified in their incredible example of loving enemies. And we pray that we will learn from it. It's hard for us to love people who are mean to us on Facebook. We've got a lot of growing to do, Lord. We pray we will grow to be like Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. And it's in his name we pray.